The following sermon, entitled Coming to God's House with Gladness, was preached on the evening of September 11th, 2022, at Hope Protestant Reformed Church in Redlands, California. If you enjoy listening to our sermons, we encourage you to come worship with us. For more information on upcoming service times and Bible study opportunities, please visit our website at hopeprc.org. Let's open God's Word this evening to Psalm 122. We read God's Word tonight in Psalm 122. We will read the chapter. The text for this evening's sermon is the first two verses. I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is builded as a city that is compact together. Whither the tribes grow up, the tribes of the Lord, unto the testimony of Israel, to give thanks unto the name of the Lord. For there are set thrones of judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. Peace be within thy walls, and prosperity within thy palaces. For my brethren and companions' sakes, I will now say, Peace be within thee. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek thy good. We end our Scripture reading at that point. The text for this evening's sermon is the first two verses. I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. Child of God, what is it that makes your heart Glad. What is it that makes you merry? Perhaps what comes to mind is getting together with family and friends for a time of fellowship. Or perhaps it's enjoying some form of recreation, perhaps in the outdoors. Or maybe it's going on some trip, taking a vacation. And all of those things by themselves are indeed legitimate. We may have find a measure of joy in those things. But when you hear the question, what is it that makes your heart glad? Would it ever come to your mind to say, to hear others Tell me, let's go to church. Do you find joy in gathering together twice on a Sabbath day to be here in this sanctuary with this body of believers worshiping our God? In other words, can we make the same confession that the psalmist David makes here? Can we say from the heart tonight, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. That's the question we must face tonight. And the purpose of this sermon 
is to help rekindle within our hearts a longing, a desire to worship God as a body of believers each Sabbath day. The sermon will give instruction concerning the Sabbath and how we are to use it. And it will remind us of the importance of being here twice on the Sabbath day. But more than just being here, this passage especially teaches us about the heart with which we are to come. A heart of joy and gladness to come and to meet our God. So the theme for this morning, this evening sermon is coming to God's house with gladness. Two points. First, the assembling together. And then second, the gladness of heart. Coming to God's house with gladness. The assembling together. And the gladness of heart. In this passage of Scripture, the psalmist expresses his joy in corporate, public worship. The psalmist has in view the worship of our God. That's clear from the language of the text. He says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And when he speaks of the house of the Lord, he's obviously talking about the Old Testament tabernacle, which would later be replaced by the Old Testament temple. And it's called the house of the Lord because God had made known to Israel that He would dwell in that house in a unique and a special way, in a covenantal manner. He would live in their midst so that the tabernacle and later the temple was a picture of God in the midst of His people. And importantly, that was the place where He would meet them. This house of the Lord is elsewhere called the tent of meeting because God's people could come to this tabernacle in order to meet with Jehovah. And their purpose in meeting with Him was for the purpose of worship. It was not just to come to see the the beauties of the tabernacle. It was not just to see the architecture of the temple. But God's people came to meet with Him there in order to worship Him. That's what this passage is about. It's about worship. And that becomes all the more evident when we look at the, the context of the psalm and the idea of the psalm. If you look at the heading of the psalm, it's called a song of degrees of David. Or we could say a, a song of ascent. And it's one of a number of psalms that were the songs that the Old Testament Israelites would sing on their way to Jerusalem when they were headed there to keep the various Old Testament feasts and ceremonies. This is a song that was intended to prepare the people to worship Jehovah. So this passage is about worship. But now more specifically, it's about what we would call corporate and public worship. The psalmist has corporate worship in view. And that's clear from what he says in verse 1. The call is, let us, plural, go into the house of the Lord as a group with others. Let us all go to the house of the Lord. Same thing in verse 4. Whither the tribes go up. The tribes of the Lord. It's talking about 
all of God's people coming together so that this is corporate worship. Now that word corporate just refers to that which is done by a body. And in this case, a body of believers. The psalmist is not talking about going to God's house to find a place for some peace and quiet so that he can pray by himself. That's not his purpose. But instead, he has in view gathering together with the body of believers to worship God collectively. This is corporate worship. And we can also call it public worship. Public in the sense that it's a physical gathering that anyone and everyone can see. And that too comes out here when the psalmist says in verse 2, Our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. Our feet shall stand there. That is, the psalmist is making explicit he is leaving his house. And he is going to a place that has been designated as the place of worship. At a specific time, this is a physical public gathering of worship. And the psalmist says he's glad to be doing this. And more specifically, he's glad that others are calling him to come and worship because that is the reason that's expressed here in this psalm. We've explained that the psalm is talking about corporate public worship. And now we want to notice the reason why the psalmist is coming and the explanation given here is that he's been called. Verse 1, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Someone was calling David. And if we ask David who, who was issuing this call, who was beckoning you to come, well, it would have been the office bearers. In his day, it would have been the priests and the Levites or the, the elders in the different towns. They're the ones saying, let us go into the house of the Lord. That is, it's the office bearers of the church who issue this call. And so it is in our day. It's the office bearers, especially the elders, who call us as a congregation to leave our houses to come to 1307 East Brockton at 10 a.m. and 5 p.m. Let us go to the house of the Lord, they say to us. And not because... This building itself is sacred, not because this is the house of the Lord in the same sense that it was in the Old Testament. Israel, God did not, has not said He's going to dwell in this building in a special, unique way, but yet, this is the place that's been designated as the place where we as a congregation are going to worship God. And the elders call us to come. And the fact that they're the ones issuing this call means they have not only the right, but really the responsibility to see to it that we are here. To see whether the congregation as a whole is assembling together or whether some are missing. So there's this call that comes to us. Let us go unto the house of the Lord. And that call comes first and foremost from the office bears. But the application is really broader than that. 
Because from a certain point of view, all of us together are issuing this call to one another. It comes from the congregation as a whole. Parents, is this not what you said to your children today? Come, let us go to the house of the Lord. This is what we say to one another For example, when on a Friday night or on a Saturday we say to a fellow church member, I will see you Sunday. And we do not need to specify what we mean. We're saying, I'm going to see you at church. We're calling one another, come, let us go to the house of the Lord. So that from a certain point of view, there's a a mutual accountability. We're telling each other, we're going to be here. And one of the main ways we do that is by, in fact, coming to church. By our very presence here, we are calling one another, let us go to the house of the Lord. That is, when we drive in off the road into the parking lot and walk to church, find our seat, the message we're conveying is that this is where I want to be. This is where you are going to find me on a Sabbath day at these times. Here in this sanctuary, worshiping my God. And if that message comes from every one of us, how much stronger does that message come from the elderly saints? From those who are often sick, who have chronic pain. For them, it takes a great deal to get to church. For them, it can be uncomfortable to sit through an entire worship service unless we see them. We need to recognize that their very presence is screaming to the rest of us, come and let us go to the house of the Lord. But now if our presence sends that message, and it does, you may be sure your absence sends the opposite message. That is, if we willingly refrain from coming without any good reason, we are saying to one another, Let's not go to the house of the Lord. There are other things that are a higher priority. There's better ways to spend our time on a Sunday than coming to church. That's the message we send. Whether we intend it or not, when we refuse to come to church, when we ignore the call that comes to us in this passage. And recognize this is God Himself calling us. We've explained that the reason the psalmist is coming is because he's being called. We said it's the office bearers who are calling Him, but really it's the congregation as a whole. But now we want to see that ultimately, 
This is the call of God Himself. This is really the heart and center of the fourth commandment. For when God forbids us from working on the Sabbath day, the whole reason, the whole purpose is so that the day is now free for worshiping Him. The heart and center of the Sabbath of the fourth commandment, therefore, is we are to worship God. He commands us to worship Him. And I would like to demonstrate that from Scripture. Many passages in this respect. First, Leviticus 23, verse 3 says, Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest and holy convocation, and ye shall do no work therein. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. So this passage teaches us what is the whole idea of the Sabbath day. And it says that a part of it is that it's a holy convocation. Convocation means the assembling together, the, the coming together of a body. And this is a, a holy convocation because this isn't coming together for a meal. This isn't coming together for a business, but to worship. That's the heart of the Sabbath day. Same thing in Leviticus 19, verse 30. Ye shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. This verse connects keeping the Sabbath and reverencing His sanctuary. That is, coming to the sanctuary, being in church. Comes out from the passage that we read. Psalm 122, verse 4. Whither the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord. And now it adds, unto the testimony of Israel. And perhaps a better way to put that would be, as was decreed for Israel. That word testimony has the idea of a decree. This has been decreed. This is God's statute. This is His precept for His people. Not just in the Old Testament. We find this in the New Testament. We see this in Christ Himself and His example. As we read in Luke 4, verse 16, and He came to Nazareth where He had been brought up And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. Why is he going into the synagogue? Well, the synagogue was the place of worship. And the fact that it tells us that his custom was to be there on the Sabbath day tells us Jesus Christ went to the synagogue, the church of that day, to worship God. We see this in the apostolic church. Acts 2, verse 42. We read about that group that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. You have the elements of a worship service mentioned there. And not only do we have the positive, we have the the negative from Scripture. A warning in Hebrews 10, verse 25, for example, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. We are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And it's not just talking about a social gathering. Because those words, assembling together, come from the very word that means synagogue. It's talking about coming together for corporate public worship. And it's in light of these passages and others that our Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 38, teaches what it does. That Keeping the fourth commandment means diligently 
frequenting the house of our God. And that means when the elders call us to church, they're doing so on the basis of Scripture. Really, they're simply taking God's command and issuing it on His behalf so that worshiping God in this way is a matter of obedience to Him. And thus, we must never adopt the mentality of so many in the broader church world who say, so long as I read my Bible during the week and I have my own personal prayer, well then it doesn't really matter whether I worship God. I'm worshiping Him privately. I don't need to worship Him publicly. Not true. Nor should we have the mentality that, well, it's just as good if I stay home and listen to a recording or tune into some live stream. Because as the psalmist makes clear, he says, our feet shall stand here. He's saying, I'm going to be there physically present. Nor is the Sabbath day a day for recreation, for doing fun things. It's clear from Isaiah 58, verse 13. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord honorable, and thou shalt honor Him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words. God is saying in Isaiah 58, verse 13, this day is not about your pleasure. It's not about what you want to do, but it's my day, says Jehovah. It's a day to come and worship Me. And now to be clear, that does not mean any and every time we are absent from church, it is sin. Because there are times where in God's providence, it's impossible for us to be here. Perhaps on account of sickness. Perhaps on account of old age. Maybe it has to do with the children. Whatever the factor may be, there are times where God in His own providence makes it impossible to be here. But unless that's true, that God Himself has prevented us in some way, then we are disobeying the fourth commandment by not being here. And if you wonder, is this legitimate or is it not? Well, perhaps one of the ways to discern is to evaluate your own heart when you are not here. Because we find in Scripture examples of that. We find that in Psalm 42, for example, the historical setting almost certainly being the the psalmist is being carried away into captivity. He's unable to be standing in Jerusalem, worshiping God in His house. And what does he say? He says, as the heart, as the deer panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after Thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. 
when shall I come and appear before God? That's the desire of one who wants to be in God's house, but is legitimately unable to be here. And if that's missing in our hearts when we're not here, well, then we need to examine our hearts. So in this passage, we find a calling to come to worship God corporately and publicly on the Sabbath day. How often? And as how many times a day should we how many times a Sabbath day should we do this? Our practice is that we come twice, morning and evening. Is that just a custom, a tradition? It's more than just a custom. We have that practice and it's good for us as a congregation to see that we do so on the basis of Scripture. Because when we scan the pages of God's Word, you're, you're right, you will not find a verse that says you must worship twice on the, thou shalt worship twice on the Sabbath day. But what we do find is a clear biblical pattern of God's people worshiping Him corporately and publicly twice on the Sabbath day. And again, I'd like to take the time to demonstrate that clear biblical pattern. We see that, for example, in Numbers 28, which prescribes the different daily offerings. And for example, in verses 3 and 4, we read this, And thou shalt say unto them, This is the offering made by fire, which ye shall offer unto the Lord, two lambs of the first year without spot, day by day for a continual burnt offering. The one lamb shalt thou offer in the morning, and the other lamb shalt thou offer at evening. So the prescribed worship for every single day is that there's a morning and an evening. So already there, it's hinting at this idea, but now it gets even stronger when we keep reading in Numbers 28 and we see that that sacrifice is doubled on the Sabbath day. Verses 9 and 10. And on the Sabbath day, two lambs of the first year without spot and two tenth deals of flour for a meat offering mingled with oil and drink offering thereof. This is the burnt offering of every Sabbath beside the continual burnt offering and His drink offering. It's doubled on the day that all of God's people were to come and to observe the sacrifices, to sing the songs of Zion and to Pray, they gathered twice. We see this in Psalm 92, verse 2. Psalm 92. We're going to sing a versification of this after the sermon. In Psalm 92, verse 2, we read, to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night. And you might think, well, that's fine and dandy, but what does that have to do with the Sabbath day? Well, if you have your Bibles open, notice the heading of the psalm. A psalm or song for the Sabbath day. Here's a song for the Sabbath day in which we are to sing that we show forth Thy loving kindness in the morning and Thy faithfulness every night. It's a part of the pattern 
of worshiping God morning and evening. Ezra 3, verse 3. When Israel's been come back to the promised land after the captivity, they come to worship God. What do we read? And they set the altar upon His bases, for fear was upon them because of the people of those countries. And they offered burnt offerings thereon unto the Lord, even burnt offerings morning and evening. And this is not just an Old Testament thing. We see this in the New Testament with Jesus Christ. Likely, you know already, that when Jesus appeared to the disciples and to the church after His resurrection, He came on the Sabbath days. He came the first day of the week. We find that language again and again and again. And he, He's showing us that we're to worship Him on the first day of the week now instead of the seventh day of the week. But perhaps what you did not know is that He would come morning and again at the evening. John 20, verse 19. Then the same day, He's already appeared to them in the morning, then the same day at evening. Being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled. Why are they assembled? They've assembled for worship in the evening and now Christ comes to their worship service. Morning and evening on the Sabbath day coming to worship. This is Acts 3, verse 1. Now when Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. You have to remember that right after the outpouring of the Spirit, they didn't have their own church building, their place of worship. So they were still worshiping at the temple. And they're going there at the ninth hour. That is at 3 p.m. Because they're going to worship God for a second time on the day. And this is almost certainly the explanation of what we read in Acts 20, verse 7, where we read of Paul preaching until midnight. The idea is not that he started at 10 a.m. in the morning and he went all the way till midnight. But rather, almost certainly, it's there was a morning worship service and an evening worship service. And the evening worship service goes long, so long that it reaches the point of midnight. All of this is a part of the clear biblical pattern. It's true. There's no one verse that says thou shalt worship twice on the Sabbath day. But when you see the evidence, when you look at the pattern, you say, yes, the church has always done this. But now even if we didn't have this, the very fact that God gives us an entire Sabbath day, not just a Sabbath morning, but a Sabbath day, is proof itself that the day is for worship and that really we should bookend the day by gathering together to worship our God. It's on the basis of Scripture that we have the practice that we do. Two distinct worship services. That is, we don't have a morning and evening and they're the same sermon. You may pick whichever one you want to come to, but no, they're, they're distinct. They're separate worship services. A different sermon preached in each one. 
And the entire body, therefore, coming together at both. Does this seem like a burden to you? Do you think the elders are requiring a bit too much? Is it too much of a sacrifice to be here twice on the Sabbath day? If we view it that way, then almost certainly, very likely then, we have lost sight of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Consider the burden that was placed upon His shoulders. Consider the sacrifice that He made. And that He took upon Himself our sin and guilt. And as the sin bearer, He went to the cross of Calvary and He laid down His life. And for three hours, He endured the burden of God's wrath. He suffered the agonies and the torments of hell during those three hours of darkness. Is it really too much to give Him three hours each Sabbath day for corporate public worship? Insofar as we're unwilling to do that, the remedy is the cross. What we need is a a renewed appreciation for what our Savior did for us at Calvary in laying down His life for our salvation. Because when we have that in view, when our hearts are overwhelmed at the sacrifice He made on our behalf, then we come. And not just because we have to make this sacrifice, not because it's some burden, but because we want to. Because we're so thankful, we're, our hearts are so filled with love that we, there's nothing that could keep us away. That is, when we're focused on what Christ has done for us, then we come with gladness. Because that's the attitude of the heart that we're to come with. That's the point of this psalm. We've talked about the, the assembling together. Now we want to see the, the gladness of heart that is to characterize our worship. Notice what the psalmist says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And he says he's glad. He uses a word that means he's rejoicing with exultant joy. His heart was merry. So that for him, the Sabbath and worshiping God was truly a delight to use the language of Isaiah 58, verse 13. For the psalmist to hear others saying, let's go up to Jerusalem. Let's go to the tabernacle. Let's worship our God. That made the psalmist's heart glad. 
Is that us? Is that you? Is that me? There's a danger for us. That though we come, we do not always come with the right heart. There's a danger that though we are physically present, yes, our feet are standing here in the sanctuary or sitting in the pew, that our thoughts are elsewhere. Our hearts are on the things of this life. Perhaps we're sleeping. But insofar as that's true of us, we must recognize that such worship is not genuine worship. And if you have doubts about that, let's listen to God's own evaluation of such external worship. He, he tells us about His attitude towards it in Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1, verses 11 through 15. We read this, God, we read this, and this is God speaking to Israel about their mere external, outward, formal worship. He says, To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me? Saith the Lord, for I am full of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of the fed beasts. And I delight not in the blood of bullocks or of lambs or of he-goats. When ye come to appear before Me, who hath required this at your hand? To tread My courts. Bring no more vain oblations. Incense is an abomination unto Me. The new moons and Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies, I cannot away with. It is iniquity, even the solemn meeting. Your new moons and your appointed feasts My soul hateth, they are a trouble unto me. I am weary to bear them. And when, we, when ye spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when ye make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. And he says that because the issue is here is that Israel was not worshiping God from the heart. That's clear from later in the book. Isaiah 29, verse 13. Wherefore the Lord saith, for as much as this people draw near me with their mouth, and their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me. Such worship is not pleasing to God. God wants our hearts. And we're to worship Him from the heart with joy, thanksgiving, and love swelling up within our hearts. It's the teaching of John 4, verse 24. God is Spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. This verse is full of meaning, but a part of the meaning is that we're to worship God spiritually. That is, from the heart. And thus, we must, not allow, we must not imagine that so long as I'm physically present, I am thereby glorifying God. He wants us to worship Him from the heart. That is, we're to come with joy, gladness, thanksgiving. Not viewing us as a burden, this, this sacrifice I have to make, but as a privilege. 
as this wonderful opportunity to come into God's presence, to, to hear Him speak to us and to respond in prayer. And thus, rather than grumbling, why do we have to come twice a week? Shall we not instead lament? If only I was spiritual enough to come three times, then I would. That is how the man, after God's own heart, viewed corporate public worship. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of our God. But why, David? We can, we can sense your joy. But now explain yourself to us, David. What is it that has your soul, your soul so thrilled? Give us some reasons, David. And he does. We've looked at his joy, and now we want to see the, the reasons that stand behind his joy. He gives us a number of reasons here in this psalm, and notably, those reasons go beyond the answer we might expect. The answer we might expect is that I need this for my own soul. And that is a legitimate reason, an important reason. One worth looking at before we actually get to David's reasons that he mentions here in Psalm 122. Part of the reason is that we need this for our spiritual lives. That comes out from Psalm 84. Psalm 84 is another psalm that focuses on the Sabbath day and worshiping God together. That's clear from the opening two verses. How amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts! My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. He's saying the same thing as in Psalm 122. I want to worship Jehovah corporately and publicly in His house. And verses 5-7 through give part of the reason why. Verse 5, Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, in whose heart are the ways of them, who passing through the valley of Baca make it a well. The rain also filleth the pools. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. The psalmist here speaks of going through the valley of Baca so that he's, he's giving us an illustration, a mental picture of going through this this dry, dusty valley. He's a pilgrim. He's sojourning. He's traveling. And within this dry valley, God provides. That's verse 7. Or sorry, the end of verse 6. Who passing through the valley of Bacchus, make it a well. The rain also filleth the pools. That is, on the Sabbath day, God provides the refreshing waters of the Gospel. He makes it rain. He makes it a well. He, the rain fills the pool so that 
The psalmist adds what he does in verse 7. They go from strength to strength. Each Sabbath day is like a, a little oasis. For us who are weary pilgrims, we can stop, we can rest, we can be refreshed, we can be nourished, and we go from that strength to the next strength that is the next Sabbath day, the next place that is a spiritual oasis for us. So that a part of the reason for being glad to come to God's house is that we need this for the sake of our own souls. Because it's here that we come under the chief means of grace. We hear the preaching of the Gospel. We have the administration of the sacraments. We partake of Jesus Christ by faith as He set forth in those means of grace for us. And that's part of the reason we are to come then. And now if Adam needed this, in the state of perfection, how much more do we not need it? God set this day aside from the very beginning. Adam needed this day of rest. He needed this for his own soul. And thus, we need it all the more. And thus, what a wise God that we have that from the beginning, He has set aside one day in seven as a day of rest. And that means, child of God, He's cleared your calendar. He's marked down this day reserved for what? For worshiping Me. He's given us the day off from all of our other labors so that we have the time to come here and to worship our God among the assembly of the saints. And that means if we refuse to come, it's both rebellion and folly at the same time. Rebellion because it's disobedience. Folly because it hurts us. And really, we're tempting God by not coming. We're expecting Him to feed us, to care for us spiritually while neglecting the very means that He's appointed to care for us and to feed us. So that if we stay away, if we neglect the means of grace, we are going to grow spiritually weak. And that's evident from the fact that there is a close correlation between our overall spiritual health and our attendance at the means of grace. So one of the reasons to come then is for the sake of our own souls. But yet, that's not the reason David gives. That's somewhat surprising. He has other reasons. Three, in fact, that come out in this psalm. Additional reasons why the psalmist is able to say, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go unto the house of the Lord. Now let's look at those. There's three in the psalm. We'll take them in the order that they appear. First, the reason is that the psalmist was glad because he would be able to fellowship with God's people. 
for the sake of fellowship. Verses 3 and 4. Jerusalem is builded as a city that is compact together. Whither the tribes go up. The tribes of the Lord. Jerusalem itself has been built together. And it's at God's house that all the, the tribes come together. And thus a part of the reason for the psalmist David was to fellowship with God's people. To fellowship with them in the worship service itself. This is fellowship right now. Often when we speak of fellowship, we, we think of getting together on a, a Friday night or something for a meal or something. That is fellowship. But this right here is really the highest possible expression of our fellowship, of our communion. We're all coming together. We're all joining our voices together. We're all speaking to our God and hearing Him speak to us so that it's not just fellowship with one another, but it's fellowship as a body with our God. So there's the fellowship here. But then there's also the, the fellowship afterward. Part of the value of coming to church is that we do have the opportunity to, to speak with one another. To catch up with one another about our lives. To, to share both the joys and the sorrows of being pilgrims in this spiritual wasteland. And I trust it's obvious that if we fail to come to church, we are missing out on the fellowship. That's why it, it's not a suitable replacement to just say, oh, stay home and say, well, I'll tune into a live stream or I'll listen to some old sermon. Because there's no fellowship there. And a part of the reason is so that we can come together and enjoy sweet communion with God's people. That first. Secondly, David gives the reason of that this is a way to give thanks. To give thanks. That's verse 4. Whether the tribes go up the tribes of the Lord under the testimony of Israel to give thanks unto the name of the Lord. When we come here to church, we are coming to say thank you in a unique and a special way, in a public way. Our very presence here is an expression, a, a testimony of our thankfulness to God for what He has done for us. We come to say thanks, God, for saving a wretched sinner like me from my sin and from my misery. We come to say thanks, God, for bestowing upon me all of the blessings of salvation so that my cup overflows regardless of the circumstances of my life. And it's important that we, we come to tell Him thanks in this unique, this public way. It's like the difference between sending a text message to someone saying thank you versus going to that person, standing face to face and telling them thank you for what you've done. That's why we come. And has He not given us enough reason to come? 
when we think of all that He's done for us in Jesus Christ? Is it not worth getting out of bed on time to come to God's house? Is it not worth going to bed on time the night before so that we're rested, so that we have the strength to come and worship Him in this way? It's part of the reason this psalmist gives. Why, David, are you so glad to go up into God's house? Well, first, because it's there I enjoy fellowship. Second, it's because there I can give a public expression of my thankfulness to God. And third and finally, because it's there that I meet with Jesus. That's verse 5. For there... That is in Jerusalem are set thrones of judgment, the thrones of the house of David. It's in Jerusalem that you have the house of David. It's in Jerusalem that you have the tabernacle. It's in Jerusalem that you have the altar. That is, it's in Jerusalem you have all the types and all of the shadows pointing ahead to the coming of Christ. So that the, the point is that it's there in corporate public worship in God's house that I can meet with my Savior. And that's what Jesus Himself was teaching us. When He came on the first day of the week to those assemblies for worship, when He shows up that Sabbath evening, that first day of the week, when the people are already assembled together for worship, He is teaching them. He's showing them when you come together for worship, I will be with you. I will meet you there. You will enjoy My presence. And is there any better reason to come and worship therefore? To be glad to come to worship? We get to meet our Savior and that He is present, not physically, not bodily, but by His Word. By His Spirit. Through the means of grace. And thus, we come to meet Him. To tell Him, I am sorry for my sin. I am sorry for sinning against Thy grace in my thoughts, in my words, in my actions. And then to hear Him say to us, I forgive you because I took hell for you. I died for you. I allowed my body to be buried for you. And I arose again in victory for you, my child. 
and therefore I forgive you. It's because we meet Jesus here that we too say with the psalmist, therefore, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of our Lord. Our feet shall stand here. Amen. Father in heaven, what a tremendous privilege it is to be here tonight among the assembly of the saints for corporate public worship because Thou hast taught us in Thy Word that though it is true that Thou art with us no matter where we go, yet in a unique way Thou art with us when we worship Thee here in Thy house. Fill our hearts with gladness and a desire, a longing to come twice each Sabbath day to worship Thee, our God, for Thou art worthy. Hear our prayer for Jesus' sake. Amen.